It's October 27th. It's our uh, last regulation day of Flames Talk before the Heritage Classic. And uh, it's focusing in on a team that is very much on the verge of careening out of control. Uh, Welcome in, Pat, Wes, and the sports drives underway. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Wes with us here in studio. We're in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you uh, you ready for ready for the next hour? Woo! I think you summed up all the good news when you said Happy Friday. It is. I cannot. I cannot lie to you. Today is Friday. Today is Friday. So there is that. The start of a weekend and. The start of who knows what. Yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, let's jump right in. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Another day after a really frustrating Flames loss. And, and that one versus St. Louis on Thursday night, I, I think it's very clear to say that's the worst one yet of the six losses they have sustained of the eight games they've played this year. And I think it's important to point out, at least in some of the other losses, you could come away saying, well, you know what? They competed hard. The The effort was there. The try was there. There were some good things. They just couldn't execute. You came away frustrated, but you came away thinking that, you know, it's not like they weren't, uh, they, they didn't leave it all out there. Well, against the Blues, uh, when you're hearing coaches and players saying we left it, we did not leave it all out there. When you've got... Unofficial team spokesman Nikita Zadorov apologizing to the fans. Uh, you could have asked him anything. You could have been like, how do you explain the theory of relativity? He would have answered the exact same yeah. way. I just want to apologize to fans. That was It was alarming to see that because I know you and I were talking coming into the Rangers game on Tuesday about that's an important game and you want to have a good game after the the road trip that wasn't so good. They lose that game, but it wasn't like it was an awful effort. And then after that game, frustration's high. Zadorov had already said what he had said prior to the Rangers game. They have the day off on Wednesday, and you're like, geez, it just kind of feels like they're at a weird teetering point here. And then they're talking about urgency. They're talking about Thursday's game against St. Louis being the biggest game of the year, and that's the effort they put out there. That was a 60-minute game. It was just 60 minutes of ugly. Yeah. And that is alarming to me, to me, knowing what we were hearing from the group heading in. Well, and, and that's sort of what we heard post-game, right, from Elias Lindholm, who said it's frustrating when you keep talking about it and nothing changes. Like, it's amazing. It feels like it's been such a long week in Flamesland. Sunday's dud in Detroit should be like that sort of game that you played on Sunday in, in Detroit. That should be your worst game for a while, not your worst game for Bless the four week. days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, 
something is sort of off right now with this team. And I do think, I, I think it's alarming. I, I don't think that is too hyperbolic of a, a word. I, I think it's absolutely cause for concern. There There is something not right with this Flames team. And the fact that we can say that and not feel like we are just living in hyperbole, the fact that we're not exaggerating eight games into the season saying, holy, like they, they've got to figure this out or the entire direction of what this season was maybe supposed to be could be completely altered. And I, I know that if you talk to Jacob Markstrom or Nazem Kadri or Michael Backlund or anybody else in that room who endured last season, the first thing they'll say is, I don't want to talk about last season. But as, as I said prior to the game on Thursday... They're still humans, so they, it's kind of, not kind of, it's impossible to forget last year, and then you start this year with a new coach, and with a new general manager, and with all the good vibes, vibes were great, and the same things are happening, and the losses are happening in the same way, and some of the same culprits are really sinking the team. I mean, I I, I don't want to pick on any one player, but one of the resounding moments of last season was that Nazem Kadri giveaway behind the net against Chicago. Right. Well, one of the resounding moments of Thursday's game was that soft back pass from Kadri that was easily intercepted and sent Kapanen in on a breakaway. And it's just, so some of the, and it's not just Kadri, it's Huberdo, it's, it's Lindholm's body language. It's like, there's, we're talking about a number of important players that are not getting the job done, but just because those two images came to mind right, right away, culprits like that and plays like that are sinking this team, which was a huge part of last year's disaster. And because in both instances that you mentioned with Nazem Kadri, there was really no, there was no, oh man, I really messed that up and now I'm going to, I owe the team one here. Now I'm going to make up for it. And and Nazem Kadri being flat last night, it's not like almost every other guy on the roster wasn't flat. But when you make that sort of mistake, when you put yep. your team, a team that is scuffling the way it is, when you put your team in a hole, you kind of owe them. And maybe the most concerning part, and I'm like you, I, I don't want to pin this on one individual because this mess is much bigger than just Nazem Kadri or, or just Jonathan Huberto or whoever. But when you put your team in that kind of a hole, you better be the guy who looks like he's determined as all you know what to dig yeah. out of it. And that's maybe what I didn't see from anybody last night. Well, yeah, the when you talk about having to be urgent and then you look anything but urgent pretty much all night. Right. It just, that's that's where the alarm they bells stunk. come from. They stunk all night. Yeah. It was a really, ri- one of the worst home games we've seen. Unfortunately, it was about the same as that Chicago game last year that I referenced. Yeah. It's like, again, urgency and the importance of that game and all of that. And they were awful that night. They were awful last night. But now that we're eight games into a season and we're, we're upon the Heritage Classic, I don't know. It just, it feels like they're in a weird pocket. It feels like they're the fact that I can at least credibly to myself say, I think they're at a crossroads before they're even 10 games into a new season. 
That tells you where the group is. That tells you how bad last season was. It tells you about where this team is teetering. But I honestly believe that right now there we're, we're kind of in a very interesting period where the next few weeks are going to answer, I believe, a lot of things and could definitively answer some big questions, not for you listening, not for Wes, not for me, but could definitively answer questions for Craig Conroy and this management group about what direction they need to take the team, about what direction they need to head in with some really significant contracts. Wes, if if I'm in a position of decision-making power right now, I am not going near a contract conversation. I am I am shutting things right down or hitting the hard pause button on a Noah Hannafin extension, on a Elias Lindholm extension, or any other type of extension, franchise-defining moves. I'm not doing any of that right now until I have a better grasp on what this team is. And if what this team is is reminiscent of what it's been through eight games, then I think my answer is pretty clear that yeah, it makes a whole lot more sense to pivot. It makes a whole lot more sense to move these guys for the type of, I think, pretty significant assets you could get back as opposed to going down the signing road. And that's coming from a guy who's been pretty adamant about re-signing Elias Lindholm, but he's not signed. Circumstances are what they are, and circumstances have changed because they're off to this start. And that changes an opinion. And for me, that's where I'm at. My my opinion has gone from, yeah, I think it's time to you know really see if you can get this guy signed to, I don't think you can sign anybody right now. I think you really have to gear down in those conversations. Yeah, and I, I hope Craig Conroy, general manager of the Calgary Flames, is listening because you absolutely just nailed it. You know, unplug the fax machine, call Dave Nonis, who is doing the bulk of the contract negotiations now for this Flames front office, and Tell him to take the family to Cabo for a week. You know, just kick his feet up. That You need to press pause on this and for the exact reason that you just spelled out. We've been hearing now for 90 games, 82 last year, followed up by eight so far this fall. We've been hearing that, that this team has too much talent to have the results that they've shown on the ice. We've, we've heard that there's belief in this group, that they have the right pieces. Well, at some point, you can't believe what we're hearing they could be until you see it. Yep. And I think that's the point that has been hammered home in these first eight games and, and specifically in the last three. Listen, you don't want to make eight-year decisions on extensions for Lindholm and, and Hannafin based on a three-game stretch. But I think you need to pump the brakes and say, what, what do we have here? What is this? And and what don't we have? And what's the problem? Because now you're 90 games into an existing core group not being able to figure it out, not being able to stay out of their own way, not being able to score the big goal. You can go up and down the list. It's easy to pile on the Calgary Flames right now. I absolutely get that. but. I don't think Craig Conroy and his associates can really say that they know what this group is yep. right now. I think you need to. I, I just joked that Dave Nona should just take the week off. Well, you want to know what Dave Nona, a, a former general manager who doesn't have ties to all these players going back before this summer, you need to know what he thinks of this group, what he sees. 
Jerome McGinley, who wasn't around to fall in love with these players in their draft year, who, who doesn't have that history with them, you need to know what he's seen. AJ Greer, who is part of, or was part, I'm sorry, of a revered locker room in Boston, a group that had success in the regular season last year, didn't in the playoffs. You want to know what he sees behind the scenes. Before you commit any further to this course you're on, you got to figure out why we keep ending up here. Yep. And if if you do slow play it, and if you do kind of just, you know what, we're just going to, I just need to see a little bit more before we can re-engage on these conversations, and nothing really improves on a, you know, like markedly improved. I, I think that they will be better on Sunday than they were on Thursday. I, I'm quite confident that the Heritage Classic will not be as putrid as that game against the Blues. God, it but better it's, not be. I really hope not for the, just everybody's <laughs> sake. But but that's not that's not good enough. Like it need you need to you need to see a team that uh, okay you know what, these guys could be tough to play against and these guys could be something you need to see that for three or four weeks before you can start thinking again about making some of these moves. If they remain a middle of the road at best mediocre group where you know it, you're you're having difficulty finding players to play with Kadri finding players to play with Huberdo, and those are your two long-term star contracts right now up front, and you don't even know who the hell to play them with right now. You, Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy are, are probably, they're, they're, they're probably Zach Galifianakis in, the, in that gif where all the, all the symbols are going by because they're trying to figure out who the hell can work with these guys because it's, it's not working. Nobody has been able to really find chemistry going back to October of last year with Huberto. Same is true with Kadri. And you can't then go and sign more long-term contracts if you can't even figure that part out. Yeah, it's a really good point because those are those are cautionary tales right now. Yeah. Right? Nazem Kadri signed a seven-year deal as a free agent. Six, six left, including this one. Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger are just starting eight-year extensions. Listen, I, I think very highly of Elias Lindholm as an individual player. I think very highly of Noah Hannafin when slotted properly on your blue line as an individual player. But if you have a core that that can't figure it out right now, how many of them can you have extended for six or seven or eight more seasons? And that's the cautionary tale that we're watching yep. unfold right now with Jonathan Huberto, with Nazem Kadri, with Mackenzie Wieger to an extent. And it's not just about Lindholm and Hannafin. Like, you know, Chris Tanev, might fetch you something if you're not going to be not might Chris Tanev will. will fetch you something. If you're not going to be a good team, you have to consider what you're doing there. Nikita Zadorov, good, good for him. He, he has been a quote machine for us in the media this season. So far, he's talking a better game than he's played on the ice. Yep. You need to pump the brakes on what you might be doing with him as a penny and unrestricted free agent. This team just, this is probably not the time that you make decisions. Yeah. You need to figure out whether you're witnessing a really poor week as part of a fairly poor month, or if this is just what you are. And if this is what you are, the direction is not getting every single signature on eight more years. Yep. And the... The, the issue is is that it's now 90 games, 90 important games of, 
of pretty much the same thing, right? And save the five and one start from last year, it has been it's been a team that has been mediocre. But it is an average hockey team. Besides the goalie, it has anything really? And when I say besides the goalie, besides the performance that you've got so far this season from Jacob Marshall, yep. has anything? markedly changed from last season? No, I thought I thought in the early stages that we were seeing something from the other guy that needed to have a bounce back in, in Huberto. I haven't seen it the last four games. Um, we haven't seen it from Kadri. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's been Let's some... Just stop on those two ne- names. Yeah. That is Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. $17.5 million yep. in salary cap space. They're a combined minus 19 this season. Yeah. And they've got what five points combined? Yeah, you can't have your seventeen and a half million dollar forward duo less than half a point per game. No, combined, you, you absolutely can't. And so you're you're not getting out of those contracts immediately. Like you're not th- that for the rest of the year at the very least. Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau are Calgary Flames. That is incontrovertible. Yeah, but. That doesn't mean you can't still be pragmatic. And that doesn't mean that you can't still... And that's the job of a general manager, right? As much as Craig Conroy is living and dying with every game and has probably got uh, got a, a red right hand from punching things at the Saddle Dome over the last couple of days, you still have to remove yourself from the day-to-day. You still have to be intellectually honest and you still have to look at the bigger picture and say what are we and what are we going to be and I think there's probably a lot of those conversations going on internally right now as they go down the road of exactly what they want to do and so you can make you can still go in a different direction even with contracts that are already part of it and you can still set yourself up better down the road by making important pragmatic decisions in the next number of months, even though Kadri and Huberto's contracts are part of the equation, you're still like if, if you want to if you want to pivot, you can get great assets for Lindholm. That teams would be lining up to bring that guy in between now and the trade deadline with his contract and his effectiveness, all of it. Playoff teams would absolutely love to have Elias Lindholm on their team. The same is true with Noah Hannafin. The same is true with Zadorov and Tanev, all the differing extents. When, when do you, because I, I don't think when you talk about those pragmatic decisions, and, and I don't want to be putting words in your mouth, but I don't think you're saying make those today. I no, think you're saying no. don't, don't make any decisions. So So what sort of timeline are we looking at until we're kind of convinced, okay, this is what they are. Well, it's the old, uh, it's the old American Thanksgiving thing. I yeah. don't. That's that to me is enough time to have a pretty good gauge as to what you are, especially because it's not like last year was different because they went through so much roster turnover. This roster is essentially the same. I mm-hmm. mean, you take Toffoli away for sure. That's a change, but I mean, essentially, the core members of this team are identical to what they were last year. And I think that American Thanksgiving this year gives you a pretty good idea as to what you are. And I'll be honest, I would love the narrative to change. I hated last year. It was uh, doing a show called Flames Talk when the team is a miserable mess. There's no fun. So I would much rather be talking Happy in Friday. Woo-hoo! <laughs> I would much rather be talking in three or four weeks about a team that that 
put up or shut up and said, you know what? We're done with this. We're bet what you just said 10 minutes ago. You they believe that they're better than what they are. They believe that they're a tight group. They believe that they're a, a really good roster. I would love for them to go out and prove themselves right in the next three or four weeks so we can be changing the paradigm and the conversation on the outside. Yeah. But I think that in three or four weeks, when we're talking about three three football games on a Thursday, I think that we'll have a pretty good idea as to what this group is. Because right now it's really easy and not unfair to sit and wonder, right? Do they believe? We keep hearing the right things, but do they believe that they're a playoff caliber team? I'm not sure. Yeah. Are they a tight group? I don't know. Don't see a ton of it, do we? They, again, they say it, but I don't know if they are. Yeah, and, and it's hard for you and I. We're not on the road. We don't know who's going out for dinner together or, or what have you. But this, we, I, I keep going back to a conversation we had with Nikita Zadorov before the season even started, and yeah. he talked about the importance of playing for each other. Show me. Yep. Show me. It's time. Let's um, let's hear a little bit what we heard at practice on Friday morning. They were uh, out at Seven Chiefs Sportsplex, which I'd never been before. Two thumbs up. That is an awesome spot. Yeah. Um, Great spot. That, Bo- bonus at the Costco next door. Yep. You don't get very good cell reception. So if you're ever looking for a little peace and quiet, that's your spot. Right into the Costco? Yeah. Okay, good to know. Yeah, that's your spot, buddy. Here is uh, Jonathan Huberdo. He talked about what's going on, what happened last night, what they need to do to get out of this. This is a little bit of uh, Jonathan Huberdo on Friday morning after practice. Day after a performance like that, I guess uh, we see the uh, on-ice performances. It was about work today, wasn't it? We heard a lot of that last night about effort and compete and connect. What did you think about the effort this morning? Yeah, I think, you know, we deserve that win today. I mean, we didn't didn't show up yesterday, so especially in front of our fans. So, you know, that can't happen. And today, you know, that's that's how our practice is going to be. I mean, you know, today was a hard practice. But the guys, you know, the guys show up. So we can do it. We, we know we can do it. We just got to transfer that into into the game. How do you park kind of what's been going on and focus on Sunday? You know, it goes without saying. It's huge. It's a league event. And now you've got to kind of park. Both teams have to park the, the negative and kind of focus on that. How, how do you strike that back? Yeah, I think, you know, two teams struggling. So, I mean, you got to take that, you know, as an experience, too. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, even though you're not at a good spot, you know, coming in. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to – it doesn't happen a lot. You know, you're going to play outside. So, for me, my first time. So, I want to enjoy it. But, you know, idea we want to come up with a win. I mean, we need a win right now. You know, feel good. But even though, you know, it's a great experience, we got to work hard. You, you mentioned personally yourself there. Just what is it that you're – your priority, what it is that you're working on in your game to where you know you can get back to? I think work, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you're wor- working hard, but you got to work smart too. And that that's what I want to do. I mean, sometimes you try to do too much, you know, when it's not going well. And, you know, you overdo it instead of, you know, getting, keeping things simple. And that's what uh, I, I want to do now. As one of the, the leaders, we talked yesterday about leadership being important. What What's the role of the leader when things aren't going the way you want him as a team? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes you know, you you just gonna look at yourself in the mirror, go go back home, and you know, come back and be the better version of yourself. I think, as a leader, I think people look up to you. 
so if you're you know coming to the rink you're miserable and you know you don't you don't want to you know you're on the ice you're not working i think the guys are looking up to you and you say well if this guy's doing it then i'm gonna follow him so i think for leaders you gotta work hard and you gotta lead the way that's Jonathan Huberdo, a little bit from him at practice on Friday. And I want to play Jacob Markstrom as well, because I, I thought he was at his uh, Jacob best. Um, just absolutely ran over one of our colleagues, which you'll hear. Um, but I, I, I don't think he was doing it to be surly. I think he was doing it to be a, a spokesperson for, like, yeah, well, this ain't about you guys. This is about us. You know, you talk about what Zadorov said and how it's all about coming together and, and playing for one another. And, and um, I think it was Mick um, who said it on our post-game show Thursday. Megan Mickelson said uh, unity through adversity and how important that is to kind of rally around it as a group. Right. I think that's what Jacob Markstrom was aiming at here. This was uh, Jacob at practice on uh, on Friday as well. When there's these bumps in the road, does anything in the room need to be said? Everybody seemingly knows what needs to be done, or do you have to have those, you know, we talked about the other bits of some of those tough conversations, or are you, are you past that at this point? Well, we keep everything in the room. I think that's, uh, you know, as a group, we know what we can do, and we just got to bring everyone together and, and show it and, you know, not talk to you guys. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been a tough start for the team. How do you feel about your game early in the year? When I say one win, not good. That's how you feel. Do you feel like you're giving the team a chance to win games, though? I would like to feel that I help the team win games. No, it doesn't matter. You you look at the the record. You gotta win hockey games. And you know, yesterday, you know, we can zero goals. If we take it to overtime, and we can win it there. It's been a little bit of a noisy week. Like, how how is the the mood? behind the scenes are you guys panicking like what's what's the environment like? none of your business <laughs> work a little bit in the summer and then come to camp and make the team and you'll you'll know how it is no uh, i mean we, we can't we gotta we gotta come together and you know that happens in the room and nowhere else jacob what what would a victory sunday no you know knowing the stakes the rival what the kind of spectacle is what would it mean to this group uh i mean it's it's obviously you know it's going to be a special game it's just not, not a normal game it, it's a it's a fun experience and you know we, we need to you know take everything we can to you know get the w and uh, you know take it all in and enjoy it and you know play to our abilities and uh, you know there's no better better way to do it in front of uh, you know a big crowd and uh, you know against edmonton with the uniqueness of it all, Jake, couldn't that be, maybe to Wes's point, like a, a really good thing? I mean, I know the result is all that matters, but the idea of this coming at the right time, this kind of unique event for a group that maybe needs a little bit of luck. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll see Monday. <laughs> There's Jacob Markstrom. We'll see Monday. None of your business. <laughs> we'll see Monday, to me. It's the perfect answer because, yeah, this team could, and we heard Mackenzie Weger mention it last night, you know, this team could get a boost out of winning the Heritage Classic. One team's finally going to feel good about themselves. But the other team, if you lose a fifth straight to your arch rival, outdoor, big spectacle, flag, you know, flagship event, yada, 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 oh, one team is going to be in a world of hurt. You're either going to have a team, assuming a regulation decision, 
you'll have a team that's five games below 500 or four games below five. Oof. Is McDavid going to play? It sure. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Like if I'm the Oilers, hell no. I'm like, I'm not putting them out there on ch- potential choppy, chipped up ice. Yeah. I wouldn't, but I also know they're desperate and they're trying to turn their season around too. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Connor were to play. We all know that Connor McDavid's injuries situation is a state secret. It's Fort Knox. It's DEFCON 5. Like it's, they do not tell you what's happening with Connor McDavid, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he played. How's that? I mean, the fact that he's already skating certainly hints that it could be a possibility, a, a strong possibility, but I, I would have the same concern you mentioned. Like that, This is one of the league's elite skaters. I mean, he's one of the league's elite everything, but to throw him on what could potentially be pretty bad ice depending on what the specifics of that injury are. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily feel like it's worth the risk to me. And yet if you're Connor McDavid, the captain of a team that's one, five and one, you're probably saying, yeah, I got to play. Like three, 10 and two is the combined record on the TV screen behind you. While we were chatting, they showed the, the NHL teams with the worst goal death differential to start the season and the Oilers and Flames are 31st and 30th in the league specifically in that stat category. Woof. Can't believe tickets are still available. Yeah. How? How is that possible? I will just a couple positives before uh, we hit the round table. I thought Ilya Solovyov two thumbs up in his NHL debut. Uh he's he's penned in for me on Sunday. He was still with Tanev at practice on Friday. I think Solovyov staying in and should stay in. Hell, if he continues playing the way he is, and and of the two of us, I was the one saying that I know Wes was a big Solovyov booster going all the way back to last year, but definitely through training camp. Well, the way that he played in his first game, the fact that he was just fine with Tanev, he played more than Gilbert played last night. Yeah, I uh, I I would do what I could to keep him in the lineup. Period even once Rasmus Anderson comes back and comes off his suspension. That might be more difficult to do, but I'd I'd think about going through some of the hurdles to make it happen. Again, it's one game, but yeah. he's definitely staying in on Sunday, that's for sure. He, he At least in my eyes. He acquitted himself very well last night, I thought. If you were looking for bright spots, and you certainly had to squint to find any bright spots on the home side, but Ilya Slovyov was, was one of them. I, I thought he was steady I, I thought he, he was very <laughs> it was a very uneventful game which when you're talking about a shutdown type defenseman who's never played in the NHL before that's a compliment I I thought it was an impressive outing Pat West underway on this Friday edition of Flames Talk. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. This is Flames Talk. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Friday edition now of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Get the chance to drive a brand new GLC 300 with zero down for $1,099 a month 
Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary airport. It's Pat, it's Wes, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Well, we've talked a lot about just kind of big picture uh, existential things for the first half of the program. Uh, Let's dive in on some little picture things, starting with, once again, some new looking lines at practice Friday for the Calgary Flames. Uh, You had Elias Lindholm centering Adam Rzichka and Dylan Dubé. The backland line with Manjapani and Coleman together. Kadri was with Huberdo and Coronado. Sharon Govich back between Greer and Dewar. And then uh, Dryden Hunt is the extra. On the back, Hannafin was with Uyghur. Solovyov with, was, uh, was with Tanev and Zadorov with Osterley. The extra pair, of course, with Rasmus Anderson on the right as he's suspended and uh, Dennis Gilbert on the left. So that's the way things looked. And once again, some new-looking forward lines for this Flames team. So I guess what I'd ask, Derek, you and I were kind of talking about this at practice is it time for the Flames to just roll with some lines and not juggle them up and not make some changes? I think so, but I also believe there's two ways to look at this. I also feel sorry for Dryden Hunt, who was a healthy scratch in the first six games, gets in for the last couple, starts last night's game on the fourth line, works his way up to the first line and onto the power play and as an extra attacker. And now he's out again by the looks of things. So that's uh, quite a swing for him. But from a coach's perspective, I understand what Ryan Huska is doing. He is trying to find at least two players who work well together. And if you can find three that work well together, kind of like Michael Backlund between Blake Coleman and Andrew Mangiapane, then great. But I think you have to find some duos. And I think one of the reasons why he's broken that line up at times is because He's trying to use those guys to get other guys going, which is far from ideal. But looking at it from a player's perspective, I try to put myself in their shoes. So if I had a brand-new broadcast partner two or three times a game, I feel like I would have a hard time developing chemistry with that person. So I almost feel like it's a built-in excuse for the players that they're constantly playing with different people. But with that said, if they played better, then that probably wouldn't be happening. I don't think there's a coach in the NHL who would love to leave his four lines and his three pairings together for 82 games uh, from start to finish in the regular season. But obviously Ryan Huska doesn't like what he sees with a number of his combinations, especially up front. So he's, he's experimenting and trying some new things. Ideally you do that in the preseason and not in the regular season, but he's just trying to find some, some combos that work here. I remember it being sort of a, a source of, frustration for fans last year when when Daryl Sutter would mix up his lines during a game as we saw Ryan Huska do especially last night and then go back to what he he kind of started with the next day at practice there were several occasions where I remember people sort of losing their minds saying what why is he going back to that and I think why it feels like Ryan Huska has changed his line so frequently this season is he hasn't found anything that he's comfortable then circling back to. This has, unfortunately for the Flames, to this point, as it pertains to their forward combos, been a failed experiment. That They can't find chemistry beyond that backland Manjapani coleman line and with the exception as well of, of some good games from Greer, Sharon Govich, and Walker Dewar, we just haven't seen forward combos that click. I was as surprised probably as anyone 
to see Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri back on the same line today. There hasn't been a whole lot of indication that it could work. And yet, I think what we're watching unfold is Ryan Huska sort of grasping to try and find something that works. He he hasn't found yeah. it yet. There's that that's absolutely what we're talking about. And and I feel like it's you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because had he left things together, for instance, on Thursday night, well, I don't how much worse could that game have been? Because it was very clear. We talked all day on Thursday, Vix and Derek and me talked all day on Thursday about the potential of loading up Huberdo, Kadri, and Lindholm together, and it, they were awful. It was it was just awful. And so, if you're Ryan Husky, you're like, I can't keep this together. I like that would be that that would also be poor to keep a group that was getting absolutely hammered in their own zone to keep them together like that. So you're like, okay, well, we won't do that. But then you have to then you got to start to make some changes. And so when you're having such a difficult time finding lines that work together and and let's let's face the actual facts here they're having trouble figuring out who to play with Huberto who to play with Lindholm and who to play with Kadri though that that's why this is happening because there's a difficulty in finding the right fits for those key players right now the backland line if they could they would love to set and forget the Sharon Govich Greer Dewar line they'd love to set and forget but that leaves two other lines with Huberto, Kadri, and Lindholm is a part of it. And you've got a whole bunch of questions as to where those guys and who those guys fit with. So I get it. I think ideally, yes, it's time to find some lines and stick with them, but you have to have lines that work and stick with them. The only thing that I can think of is like start using that Backlund line as your first line and 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 see if that can because we know Backlund Coleman and and Manjapani work as a trio. Start hammering them as your best line and see if you can't go from there. And and maybe there's a little bit of a trickle-down effect there. But short of that, it's it's hard to say yes. Just go with the same set of lines for five or six games. Well, right now, they, they haven't scored in almost 120 straight minutes. So kind of tough to that's, actually be able to do that. That's not great. That's typically not good as, as far as I know. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Pat. I mean, if you... And Leon Drysaddle playing on the same line, maybe you can win with one really good line. Mm-hmm. But the Flames don't have those guys. Like for me, the Flames are built to be a team that wins with really good goaltending, with a, a strong defense, which, which has obviously been impacted. You've got no Oliver Shillington, and right now you've got no Rasmus Anderson. That hurts. And based on what they have up the middle, like being able to stack. Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, and Michael Backlund, those three guys, when they're right, they're all fantastic 200-foot centermen. So that's how the Flames are built. That's how they're going to beat teams, rolling four lines, rolling three pairings, using two or three goaltenders. But they just have had a tough time getting multiple forward lines and multiple defense pairings going at the same time. And we haven't talked a lot about the defense, so I'll, I'll stay focused on the forwards here. Based on what I've seen in the first eight games, and I know that there hasn't been enough consistency, I would go with Huberto with Lynn Tome and Majapani. I would go Ruzitska, Kadri, Dubé, Coleman, Backlund, Coronado, because I want the rookie playing with the guy who's done a great job kind of mentoring players like him for his entire career. And then I'd stick with the fourth line of Greer, 
with uh, Sharon Golich and Dewar. So I'd go with those four lines if it, if it was up to me. Uh, thankfully for the Flames, it's not. But uh, I do think at some point you've got to settle in and give guys a chance to build some chemistry. But, you know, that's that's one perspective. The other perspective is if guys want to play with uh, other guys, whether it be one player or two players to, to form a line, they've got to do their part. They've got to go out there and play some better hockey. The the only thing I'll add is is sort of when it comes to figuring out some line combinations that are going to work and and specifically to sparking some units that maybe aren't going. The oldest trick in the book is to split up a line that's working because those three guys might be able to have a positive impact on everybody else. And I do think if the next game wasn't against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, we might be talking about the backland line having been split at practice today. Those guys have been, for the most part, nobody was good last night, but those guys have been, for the most part, going for this Flames team. And when it's not at the expense of breaking up the line that you're going to ask to check Connor McDavid, if he plays on Sunday, you're probably looking at splitting them up, hoping that you can find some spark elsewhere. Yep. It's uh, the Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg on this Friday. Uh, we'll all be there on Sunday for the 2023 Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium. Just how how do we feel about it? It's it's an NHL hallmark event. It's uh, it's going to be very approachable late October weather. It's another outdoor game for the Flames. These are a really cool experience for a lot of guys. They're playing in their first ever outdoor game. And yet, both teams are beyond scuffling to start the season. Just how, how do we view this year's Heritage Classic, the first meaningful game between the Flames and Oilers in about 10 months going back to December 27th? Well, I know it's been a really tough start to the season for both Calgary and Edmonton, but I'm still super excited about the game for a number of different reasons. I've had a chance to call two outdoor games prior to this one, one in the AHL and one in the NHL, and they were both unbelievable experiences that I'll never forget. And I know that between the two teams in 15 games played, they have a combined three wins. If you would have told me it had been 10 wins and and three regulation losses for both the Oilers and the Flames to start the season, that would have been a lot more believable than than the other way around. But it is what it is. And what I'm expecting to see on, on Sunday evening is two very desperate hockey clubs. And... Whoever is more desperate, whoever wants it more, will likely find a way to win the game at Commonwealth Stadium, but it's going to be a spectacle. Just uh, taking a look at some of the photographs and and some of the videos that have been sent out for people on site already, it looks like it's going to be a great setup. Pat, you mentioned the weather. Uh, The weather is, I think, going to be perfect. You don't want it to be too warm because the ice would probably be really bad. You also don't want it to be minus 30 because that wouldn't be uh, very comfortable for anybody uh, who was uh, inside the stadium on Sunday. So I think it's going to be just about right. And you've got two teams who are are desperate for a win and uh, a win that could potentially turn their season around. And, and I do wonder if both the Flames and the Oilers have been looking ahead to this game and if that's one of the reasons why they haven't played very well and both teams will go in with four straight losses. So uh, this game is one that I think could turn the season around for whoever wins it. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing that's going to happen, but I think it would be a, a really good step in the right direction and uh, should be pretty excited to be uh, on site for that one on Sunday. 
I will echo what, what you're saying there, Wilsey, in the sense that this game does, for one of these two teams, have the sort of opportunity to be a bit of a magic eraser. It it can sort of make the memories of, of what has been a really rotten stretch, a really rotten start for both teams. For one group, you can kind of erase that with a win on Sunday. Now, you can't totally erase the damage you've done in the standings and in terms of falling behind, but one group is going to leave Commonwealth Stadium feeling really, really good about themselves. And I do think that has the potential to be a season turning point for one of those two teams. We'll find out, I suppose, if they've fallen too far behind for it to matter in the long run, but it does have that potential. And I do think it has the potential to really pile on for the group that doesn't win. I, I think someone is going to wake up in one city. You're going to be listening to sports talk radio or podcasts on Monday thinking, oh, geez, what a mess. The, um, I, it's the, the, the overall temperature in both of Alberta's major cities is not necessarily the most uh, conducive to a positive time for an NHL hallmark event where the national media, Friedman's there, Saravalli's there. Like now all of a sudden you've got the national insiders who are descending on these two teams and, Hey, Jay, are you worried about your job security? Mr. Huska, what about you? Uh, Jonathan, are you uh, are you worried about, uh, did you make the right decision signing here? Like all of a sudden, and I'm not not suggesting that th- these guys are, are doing their jobs poorly. I'm just saying that the national media is going to be in Edmonton focused on the Flames and the Oilers. And the national media is not interested in, in line construction. They're not interested in, you know, who should be centering line four for Calgary and who should be Edmonton's sixth defenseman. They're not interested in that. They're interested in the big stories surrounding these teams. And the big stories surrounding these teams are the future of these teams. Are the Flames going to trade Lindholm? Are they going to trade Hannafin? Or are they going to keep these guys? And the same is true with Edmonton. Are they going to make a make a move to improve their defense? Are they going to figure out a way to fix their goaltend? So that's how I feel about it. It kind of feels like I agree with you both that for both teams, if, if whatever team's able to win this game, especially if you can come away as a supporter or an observer of that team saying, man, they played a really good game and deserve to win that. I think it could have a real positive knock on effect. But what I think is the most interesting part is I think it's going to be an absolute circus for both teams because it's, it's really one of four or five times in a given season where you know, the national media is all in one spot and it just so happens that the national media is covering the Flames and the Oilers who are both in dire straits right now. So I think it's going to be an, an absolute bleep show when, when we get there on Saturday. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, well, the good news is is that uh, the Flames actually have one more win than the Oilers. Could you imagine if the Oilers were atop the Pacific Division right now, how Flames fans would feel? I actually think they feel a little bit better because of what's happening up north. Not that they feel good, but just a little bit better. But you know, I do think that uh, once everybody arrives in Edmonton, the spectacle uh, of playing an outdoor game at Commonwealth Stadium, uh, an outdoor battle of Alberta, will shift some of the attention for both teams, which I think could be a good thing. And I'm not saying that there's not going to be plenty of talk about how the Flames and the Oilers have struggled to start the season. But I also think that uh, the Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic at some point in time is going to take over, and that's going to become the big storyline. These 
great rivals playing outside. I, I just think that uh, it's it's going to be a day where the players can hopefully put what's happened uh, in Calgary's case in the first eight games and in Edmonton's case in the first seven games behind them for a day. Focus on playing a hockey game. Focus on enjoying the experience. And I guess the most important thing for both sides right now, focus on trying to find a way to score some goals and, and win a game. Both teams are coming in off a shutout. Both teams have lost four in a row. I mean, there's a lot on the line on Sunday. And, boy, if it feels like the, the sky is falling in, in Calgary and Edmonton right now, as you guys have both said, if you lose this one, it's not going to feel any better on Monday morning, that's for sure. Yeah. And but for... if you win it, if you win it, I think it, it, it changes the storyline a little bit. And, and for that reason, you better not forget what has happened too much because if we don't see really desperate hockey from both of these teams yeah. on Sunday, something's going to be wrong. Yep. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. Uh, we'll see you in Edmonton on Saturday. Sounds good. See you there. That is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on the uh, Daily Flames Roundtable and for this hour. No carpool? See you in no. Edmonton? I, I, I don't want to go at the same time Derek does. Okay. I actually, mainly, I, I, wanna, I think I'm coming back a little earlier than everybody else. Yeah. So, so I think that's the main reason why. Well, I'm carpooling tonight with Vixie, so if you want to talk short straw, I got it. Oof. Poor Vixie, you mean? <laughs> Who's driving? Me. Okay. Poor Vixie, indeed. Uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Uh, thanks to Derek Wills. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our outstanding producers this hour. Uh, that'll do it for the Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Book your winter detail package today for $349. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary airport. So the Heritage Classic goes at 5 o'clock on Sunday night from Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. First ever Battle of Alberta outdoor game. I'm actually, I'm, I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. They're always a spectacle. Of yeah. course, it would have been better if the two teams were in better shape. We can't control that. But I will say, if you're going up, you're going to enjoy it. If you already have tickets, you're going to enjoy it. It's a very, very neat experience. And if you're on the fence and thinking, ah, eh, should I, should I not? I always say that. Just go. It's You don't get very many opportunities to see a hockey game under these circumstances. We can make all the jokes we want about their records, and you know it might go to an 18-round shootout at 0-0 and up and down the list, but I do think we're going to see a heck of a hockey game. I I, I'm so. excited for it. Uh, see you up there. Sounds good, buddy. He's Wes, uh, once again, on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. That'll do it for this hour, which has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.